The Planning Commission podcast is a spirited discussion amongst colleagues in the profession. Our discussions reflect our own opinions and do not reflect the opinions or views of our employers, the American Planning Association, or even those of our alma maters. So grab a seat in the back of City Hall, dig out that old copy of Robert's Rules, and for goodness sakes, read your packet. The Planning Commission is now in session. Welcome to the Planning Commission podcast. Seinfeld, it's the best of all time, right? But why? Commissioner Koslick, Commissioner Smith, why is Seinfeld the best sitcom ever? Because it's a story about nothing, much like Planning Commission meetings. It's a timeless, it's a timeless story about nothing that is still relevant today, unlike most Planning Commission meetings. Are you sure? What about that jacket? What about... Jerry's jacket. That is not timeless. That was solidly 1992. Yeah, you're right. So, so was the hairstyle. But I like I like both your answers. But if it's if we were paying, playing Family Feud, maybe that'd be like maybe three and two, but certainly not one. Come on, what is the name of this podcast? Planning and Seinfeld. If you're a big fan, George wanted to be a architect. He wanted to be an architect. However, ha- however, true. Okay, caveat. You're right. So to be clear, but he was trying to send the kid to planning school. Who? Somebody. I remember the episode somehow. Right? There was a kid who wanted to be a planner. That's what it was. He wanted to. George wanted to send him to be an architect, but they, the kid ah, wanted to be yes, a planner. Yes, that's right. Remember that? That's right. Yes. Thank you. I didn't Finally know there was homework for this God. episode. I'm, <laughs> I'm very unprepared. Well, I can't just. We can't just go and, you know. Totally prepared every time. When I was in planning school, the architecture side of it called us urban planners, the arts and crafters. <laughs> you can do a lot with a Sharpie, okay? A lot. <laughs> Palms and popsicle sticks and, and gluing them all. Yeah, I get it. I get it. Dots. All right. Well, on that wonderful note, let's get ripping and roaring here. This episode, sticks and stones can really hurt. Oh my gosh, we've all been there. I think in, at this stage in our careers, and many planners who've been in this profession or decision makers, where whatever your sort of background in the public policy realm is, I don't know what the magic mark is. Maybe by year five, maybe by year eight, you've probably started to realize that some folks have some not so nice things to say about you. Um, and if you have not had that wonderful experience in your career yet, just wait, because it's coming. It is coming. So this episode, we're going to explore the heck out of that concept is with our with our wonderful guest momentarily. But before we do, I just want to set the stage a little bit and ask my wonderful fellow commissioners, give me a time in your professional life um, when that might have happened to you. And what did you do about it? What were the lessons that you learned? And how did it maybe make you a better planner? When did somebody, you know, try to disparage you, slander, libel, all the legal terms, right? But give me a sense of, of when that might have happened. Don, you got something for us to, to hear? Uh, yeah, something I had a meeting about yesterday, actually. Oh. Uh, a, yes. a six-month process 
to have a local government agency appoint me to a minor advisory committee for another local government agency has resulted in a change of bylaws to try to keep me off of that committee. It resulted in the board that was uh, appointing me saying, well, just waive your policies. This is the person we want to then having misinformation spread about me to a couple of mayors about what I do professionally and everything else to then yesterday, because in, in our valley, we have a board that has only three members on it. So anytime two of them are together, they have a quorum. So I had to sit in what was a publicly noticed meeting to basically have a conversation with two of the three elected members <laughs> to correct this and and not their fault. I was very appreciative of, of this body for doing this, but basically went line by line through a newspaper article <laughs> and answering questions about it. And then here's the funny part, just me being a journalist in this newspaper oh, stuff. God. The headline even said, Little Known Committee. And whatever about Little Known Committee prompted an above-the-fold headline, I don't know. So I'm in the middle of that. Maybe I will be on this committee. Maybe I will not. Uh, one merit of debate is good, and the other one is just a background political ploy by some others that don't like that I, A, know the technical shit behind this and can be a little outspoken, and they've changed bylaws and done a ton of everything just to keep me off a committee that meets that last met in February. Have they seen your podcast work yet? (laughs) (laughs) No, no. But but the article called out a tweet that I did like back in March, which if you follow me on Twitter, I haven't been on there since then. That basically was the typical cynical Don tweet about how livestock in Idaho have more rights than pedestrians. Are you wrong? Which, you which is pretty yeah. which is pretty true. Well, the it's humor in it is one of the members I met with yesterday is also a farmer, and we got into something called herd districts, which is apparently a thing in <laughs> Idaho that is open range and where, yes, cattle and stock do have the right-of-way, which got me to thinking if we have herd districts that puts presumed liability on drivers, we should be able to establish pedestrian districts that do the exact same thing. So my wheels are already turning. That is my that. favorite thing. <laughs> That is the best. Herd districts. Herd districts. Is cattle not, are they not also pedestrians or do you have to be a a (laughs) two-footer? It depends. Well, it's when they get blamed for wearing dark fur. Oh, yeah. All the time. You can't see them at night. I was waiting for that. It's definitely their fault. No, No, they never use crosswalks. Here comes comes the moo (laughs) joke next, right? There it comes. Move along, What about you, Chris? (laughs) You had some horrible ones? Yes, I've been... I've, I don't know that I've been browbeaten in the corner by commissioners with a line by line. That sounds like interrogation, which I did have to go through in POW school, but oh that's gosh. a whole different story. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, so, 
Yeah, I've had my name out there in, in articles that obviously context, 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 right? And the way things are pulled off um, and put out there and things that it's just ridiculous. It's obviously just, I guess, the newest term that we can use is sort of clickbait, right? And it's no different. It's yellow journalism that used to exist as a concept 100 years ago. Uh, all the newspaper magnates who used to steer all the articles to the to their interest. It's all a bunch of baloney in, in so many ways. And it makes it hard to for the public to actually understand the truth of the matter, right? And especially if they're not participating in the process. Um, so yeah, I've had that. It, it hurt. It, there was a particular incident where, you know, someone just flat out, uh, sort of was not sort of was directly accusing me of somehow towing the line for the mayor of our city in an application that we had in front of us. And I just thought, come on, man, this is, <laughs> there's so much detail that you don't understand. And it doesn't, and not to mention, it's like, I have an, I have my own mind. Please give me the credit to exercise that mind and use it how I see fit and my my education and experience and allow me to just be me. I got this, you know. Um, so it was a bit of a of a learning experience, and I I think what I took away from it was it's real easy to get worked up and pissed off, and you just want to fight back in the world. And I think you can do that, but you definitely have to be smart about it, right? You can't just come out swinging blindly. Otherwise, that energy doesn't doesn't do anybody any good. Um, but also, hey, man, as a planner and in the public, in the public sphere, you're going to have to develop a little bit of some thick skin. You know, I know as a sitting commissioner for our city, when we're up there, we get we get you know, all the time folks coming up there and claiming we're this and that for the developers or what have you. And it's just, it gets tiring, but you know, it's mostly coming from an emotional place and you just have to kind of let it roll and say, okay, and do your best to explain and let it be the proverbial water off the duck's back. So Jeff, well, there's, I, I think every time you're standing up there before a board bot or board bleh, committee or board or whatever, and, and especially earlier in your career, if it, if it, doesn't go the way and, and you kind of know it and you don't know all the political minutiae that's happening around it, that can feel very personal, even though it's not. And I think as we go in a career, we evolve to realize, like in my per example, one part of the issue isn't personal it, it, and it's not even political. It's just a, a thing to debate, but the other part is very personal and not correct. And that feels the worst when you have that type of misinformation being spread about you to try to keep you off some, you know, little known committee. Jess? I, I mean, I, similar experiences, you know, throughout the time. One that sticks out, and I cannot remember what the situation was. Um, I, when I was the planning chief up in, in uh, Matsu, Alaska, that, you know, you know how every – planning commission they have kind of those frequent flyers that come in and they're these stewards of the public process <laughs> and um i had we had um someone that would come to every meeting and um i'd never had this happen before i definitely had people point their finger in my face and say i pay your salary as a taxpayer but then um but and that was like okay well in that way i pay for your kids to go to school good luck i don't know uh, but but the but the thing that really <laughs> 
got to my heart was as on the planning commission, as the planning chief, I was the, an ex officio member. I couldn't vote. I didn't, you know, that was not the way it was. I was really there to advise if they had like technical questions and, um, and to, to make sure the process going by, they set me right next to whoever was the, you know, the lead of the planning commission at the time, and, which is voted on, right? These are all public citizens that, um, uh, they are assigned to these positions and all of that good stuff. So what bugged me, though, was was during public comment. We had open public comment. This One of the frequent flyers came up and was very loud and screamed that I should resign because this was such uh, yes, garbage yes. and we were not following our own public process. Yeah, it was horrible. So. <laughs> Anyway, that that was really rough because it was like, wow, you know, I've worked really hard to be be a part of of um, you know a, a job where I get to serve the public and I get to um, do something that's very technical but also helps my community. And I was just told that I should resign on principle because that particular citizen thought that the whole board was not following the <laughs> rules and the thing that was really really hard about that is one it was like geez i mean what do you want me to do there's like three of these jobs in alaska and then the other thing was was um (laughs) we were following process and the reason i was up there is because i was an expert in the process that was what i knew about that was my job and it was kind of somebody standing there going i mean nobody's (laughs) looking at the ceo of pepsi going you know what i don't think you know how to make diet coke at all it's like that's not my job they don't yeah i know i know diet coke is the worst so i mean quit fussing at them (laughs) Well, diet, wait, diet no, Pepsi. No, I meant Diet Coke Sorry, you said because Pepsi. they were telling me that I didn't know how to do oh, certain okay, things. Okay. And I was like, that's because Gotta go I was diet like, Dr. that's Pepper. not the rules that's here. The <laughs> so, no, that was on purpose. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. Well, it sounds like all three of us have some pretty deep wounds that we've just barely even opened up. And this is the cathartic nature of this podcast. And I'm sure that some of our listeners, we might have four now, by the way, I think we've, we've got, maybe we recruited a family member or two. Um, but many of those listening to this or watching this, um, I think can relate to that. So before we turn our podcast attention over to our wonderful guests, it's time for us to turn the page and think about the whiskey that I think all of us could use a nice shot of at about right about now. Don, what is the whiskey pairing that would go best with sticks and stones can really hurt? Well, I guess from the theme of our guest uh, this week, I'm going to go a little bit off script. Um, I'm going to go since we're talking to somebody from Sonoma, I'm going to go with a wine. Oh my gosh, that is my oh favorite my God. wine in the world. He's that is my favorite. Wow. <laughs> De- decoy Chardonnay. Now, this is kind of the upper shelf one. Uh, it was my fiance's birthday this last weekend, so we had that. But I'm also a firm believer I think he just bragged. Did he just brag? Upper, upper shelf, shelf. Fiance. Yeah, but all I'm saying. Throttle. Term. <laughs> I think all of that was and French. Throttle back. Straight up French Our, speaking. <laughs> Our, our guests may disagree, but I just tend to think that wines from the Sonoma Coast area are far superior to others. Oh from Jesus! That region. Wow, he he 
He's he is a southern boy too. I mean, he didn't just call it white wine. He did actually go with Chardonnay and distinction between the various growing areas. I mean, that's impressive. I, well, I now, 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 at some point we'll get a guest on here. We'll go with some muscadine. <laughs> oh my wine. gosh! Did you know my yes. sister's in-laws have a muscadine wine vine- vineyard? <laughs> Never mind. Anyway, that's true, but. But it's it's great for lighter fluid and cleaning off the corrosion. Or if you just enjoy juice, so diet coke. Hey, but listen, before we wrap up that whiskey wine (laughs) moment, I need to tell you about decoy. When I I was in wine country one day, and I went to not decoy, but I went to their blend um, uh, tasting vineyard place, and it's called Paradox. And um, our guest can fix me on this one if I'm messing this up but Paradox is where they do a lot of their blends and I fell in love with that like family of wines and um, I think that that's it's spelled Paradox with two X's on the end and stuff but it sounds like Paradox and there are a couple of us on here today that you know maybe we're just that could be us if it looks like a duck quacks like a duck you never know. So I, I love Paradox. Well, it's, a, it's part of those decoy family wine. And when I go looking for something that's not just like total garbage, I go straight for decoy. So. I mean, decoy, are you hearing this? I mean, how much how much love? You just gave them a free ad space. Their staff is amazing. We I mean, you're still looking for sponsors. <laughs> Goodness. Okay. All right. All right. Well, enough of this. Enough of us. It's time for us to turn our attention to our wonderful guest who was gracious enough to spend time with three monkeys on a Friday. Um, And we appreciate her doing so. So without further ado, let me introduce our guest, Rachel Hunley, uh, current public law, law attorney and former mayor of Sonoma. Rachel, thank you for joining the Planning Commission podcast. Good morning. It's morning in California right now. Ah, yes. Yes, it is. Is it too early to start cracking the decoy Chardonnay, though? Uh, uh, never too early, although I've never heard the never. phrase top shelf wine before. So uh, maybe <laughs> I'll introduce that to the industry. <laughs> wow. Yes. Rachel, uh, again, thank you for taking the time. Um, I'm just going to let you go and tell us all about you. Give us the, you know, the the Wikipedia version of of Rachel and and, and why you're on this podcast and what you're up to and and some of those highlights and high points of of your career over the last, especially the last 10 to 15 years. Yeah, well... Well, uh, I was born in the charming town of Charleston, South Carolina. Uh, no, I'm actually yes. a, I'm a third generation Charlestonian, but that's not why we're here. So I, um, I guess I am one of your four uh, listeners because I've been listening to your yes. podcast. But I've been uh, adjacent to planning uh, from two different perspectives now. The first was at a as a city council member myself, uh, dealing with planning commission appeals and. Uh, trying to get people to care about planning issues, which is very difficult, as it turns out. And then on the other side, uh, I am a public law attorney, and I advise local governments and cities uh, and special districts about issues that sometimes relate to planning. And uh, that's what I do now. But in getting there, um, so I grew up in the South, college at the University of Georgia, didn't know what I wanted to do, so why not go to law school? University of North Carolina, and I just so happened to get a job in uh, New York City, so I went there, 
And that is where uh, sort of the plans were put into place that ended up where I am today. Um, being a corporate attorney, as it turns out, was not not as fun as I don't know if I thought it would ever be fun. But um, so I started planning an escape to move across the country and open a bakery. And the economy helped me out with the economic downturn. I got laid off from my job, uh, took my severance. Uh, and moved to California, where I ended up starting a fried chicken business instead, here <laughs> in the charming city of Sonoma. And then, of course, uh, with that, that wasn't enough to do at the time, so I uh, got wind that it was it was an election year. And even though I was brand new to the area, uh, and there were two open seats, which just seemed like something that I would never see again. So I was like, why don't I run for city council? And so... Uh, 18 months after the day that I moved here, I was elected to the city council to the shock wow. of everybody, including myself. Uh, and uh, <laughs> not the least because uh, I ended up pushing out a 16-year incumbent in doing that. Wow. What was the margin of that? How many votes total? Uh, I want to say it was like, it was a small number. It was less than 100. Oh my gosh, that's that, amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for my first election, the second one wasn't such a squeaker. And so, yeah, so then I was uh, passionately involved in the city council for a term and a half. Um, I was uh, mayor in 2017, uh, which was an adventure in and of itself. But um, last year, 2021, I decided I was going to retire from politics early so that I could focus on the uh, much more uh, sustainable, I think, side of uh, staffing local governments. So that's what I focus on these days is trying to help all the little guys stay out of trouble. Well, quite a story. You went So you went from being a, a dog to a heel to a New Yorker <laughs> to uh, a, a fried chicken maker. And now back to being maker. a heel because you're an so, attorney. Is that the circle that's there? <laughs> ah, well, I, yes, yes. Yeah. I'm, not a, I'm not a Tar Heel fan. Yes. Go dogs, though. He is a dog's fan. Oh, though. come on. Yeah. So it, bug, it does beg the question, though. Does one need to marinate chicken overnight in buttermilk before going through the dredging and stuff? Is that your part of your magic? You know, I do think the buttermilk brine ahead of, ahead of time helps. Um, and also, my preferred uh, method for fried chicken is a spiced flour ah, coat. Delicious. Definitely not a batter. Uh, but you have to put some sort of flavor in it. Otherwise, you're just basically eating oily cooked flour. Um, and, you know, I, you know, Drums and Crumbs was the business that I had for seven years. May, may she rest in peace. But I think it definitely had the best traditional southern fried chicken in the Bay Area. And maybe one day it will be resurrected. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. I was just going to ask. So... In it for 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 our listeners, I I think that there's more than three or four, and I'm so glad that you're one of them, Rachel. But what I wanted to ask you is for our listeners who don't know how local government works, like how does one go from being a city council person to a mayor, um, and and how does that work in Sonoma? Does that work differently other places? And maybe just give us an example of what Sonoma is. Yes. So this was something that I didn't even know about uh, because. You know, one of the reasons that I ended up sort of getting pulled into the gravitational force of local government that has been my focus for the last uh, 10 years 
um, is just, uh, you know, I didn't really understand how it all worked, you know, in high school. They never even talked about what the city, I guess there was a city council, there must have been, but no one even said the words to me. And so I, I didn't, you know, I never even heard of a resolution. Well, and and so even, uh, so in college and law school, you know, everybody got so focused on federal elections that I, uh, you know, Barack Obama, who I, I did vote for, uh, eventually came to my came to the Chapel Hill to speak, and I made a protest T-shirt that said, uh, "Tell me the name of three state judges, and I will vote for Barack Obama." Because I was like, few people don't even know what's going on. Nobody knows what's happening in their own backgrounds. So I've been just kind of spiraling down into this just uh sort of resentful about the lack of attention um which i've noticed actually i think people are paying a lot more attention to their to uh, what's local these days well it's something i've said for a long time i mean a federal policy gets passed and it gets all the attention but like federal economic policy <laughs> can take years to yeah. manifest itself you as a city council can make a decision in April that goes into effect in July and affect everybody in that community's life in a very immediate way. And, and that is not captured. You could put in a bike lane and ruin everyone's lives. Even. <laughs> <laughs> it does happen. <laughs> but I will go back to just the simple structure of cities. So at least in California, uh, you can have two models of kind of elected city government. One is called the strong uh, mayor. So you have a independently elected mayor who acts as your chief executive of the uh, local agency. And then you have a city council that's like the board of directors. And the mayor has certain functions and the city council is the one that adopts the laws. And then for most cities, it's a strong city manager. It's a city manager form of government. So you have just a city council. They're the one that adopt all the laws. Uh, but then they basically hire an expert who has a career in this field of running governments. And so they do the administrative stuff. The city council, you know, does a, or should be doing policy direction. And then from amongst them, often uh, the mayor will be selected internally. Internally, So that's how it was with my city council. So uh, it, was, it was a free gig, a volunteer gig. So I think it was kind of good that it was only a year, but... In 2017 was the year that I got selected to be our mayor, and it ended up being a very eventful year. Is that common there in, in those systems to have a council select the mayor instead of the mayor being elected in the, in the traditional fashion? It is, especially for smaller cities, uh, larger cities, um, especially with the push to go to uh, uh, voter districts. So instead of having at large everyone on the city council is voted voted in from the whole city. Um, now, especially because of strategic litigation, they're dividing up kind of bigger cities first into voter districts. And so to unify it, now you'll see more of an at-large mayor and then city councils from districts. But from the little cities like Sonoma, despite its kind of oversized reputation, it's a population of 11,000 people and it's about 2.25 square miles. So it's, it's actually a very teeny tiny little city and so i think that um you know i think you're, you're you're good if you can scramble together five people half decent people to be on your city council and maybe not have to commit to a mayor for more than one year it's a good system so rachel it's so interesting to hear you talk about you being the one to move to california and the new person because here in boise as a 
as a PNZ commissioner now, I mean, oh my gosh, we hear that all the time. There's this big confrontation between the local population and that group of folks who are moving in and whatever the perception is about, you know, their philosophies. And But the funny thing is that probably about one in every five came from California. <laughs> they just don't want to talk about it. Right. So, but I want to know, talk me, talk to me a little bit about that. Like when you came in and you were the new person and you beat this incumbent who was there for 16 years and the previous mayor, if I'm not mistaken, I mean, how on earth did you resonate with voters enough to get them to, con- you know, convince them to, to vote for you? You know, the timing of it, I didn't plan any of it myself. I just sort of ended up almost being in the right place at the right time and was, you know, kind of young and naive enough to just dive into it without even thinking about it. But Sonoma is one of those places where, you know, if you haven't, uh, that, well, first you're, not allowed to call yourself a Sonoman unless you've been here for 20 years. Uh, and then yes. also it's one of the places where when people get up to do public comment, uh, they will typically precede it by telling everybody how long they have lived here. And so, you know, if anything less than 15 years, and I guess, you know, that comment shouldn't actually count for it. But you know, something that was amazing to me when I went out and I had to, you know, of course, knock on doors and introduce myself to people, which was terrifying uh, to do that people were, you know, they were very surprised and amused to see me standing on their doorstep after I told them what I was uh, there to do. And when I got elected, I was the youngest person on the council by almost 20 years. So it was, it was kind of a moment where uh, people were starting to like think a little more about the future. I think it was because a lot of the people in town had kids that were in high school and college age. So they were just sort of like thinking ahead. And so uh, here I was, and I guess the fact that I was kind of, and my, of course my campaign sl- slogan capitalized on all of this because I had a fresh perspective. So it was, uh, let's kick out the crumbs and drums and bring in. A fresh perspective. <laughs> exactly. So it's, I, I think that people kind of were ready to, for something new. And, and after that, and, you know, it wasn't just me, because if you look around, you know, in, in the years that followed, there was like a lot of younger people getting into uh, local politics. I feel like I was kind of at the front end of the wave, but the 2016 and 2018 election just nationally saw a lot of young people get involved and also a lot of uh, women get involved. So it was just uh, it was just kind of at the beginning of a new direction of the wind blowing, I think. Well, speaking of that new direction, Rachel, um, you made the news a lot. I remember um, I was living in Alaska and I bet you once at a little garden party and it was fun to hear you because I was doing the staff side of things at the time and and you were doing the the public servant side and I was just going bless her heart I I I I don't even know what to say I'm just going to listen and then all of a sudden <laughs> I see you in the Washington Post and I see um uh you know everything uh, things are happening and things are talking about you um why do you think you were making the news like that I mean Sonoma 11,000 people and then and then what did you do with that how did you how did you work with that and respond to that? Uh, it was it was bizarre. And I think part of it is because Sonoma is kind of more widely known, at least in theory, because of the probably because it's just known for its wine country. I don't know. But for some reason, starting 
uh, when I became mayor and I popped up in the Washington Post, which Gloria Steinem retweeted that article about me, which was <laughs> insane. That's and real. <laughs> what was what was the premise of the article? Uh, it was, you know, it was about a, a millennial mayor and it was about the fact that I okay. had Googled my way into office <laughs> and just kind of told kind of told. <laughs> told the story that I kind of showed up, had no idea what I was doing, like literally Googled, like, how do I run for office? And then I did it. <laughs> so Thank goodness and, for Google. And I think that, um, you know, and after that, what became kind of really fun, kind of adjacent to my city council service was that I was invited to a lot of different organizations and tech companies down in San Francisco to go and talk about civic participation and you know, how to run for office or what are the other ways to be more involved in local government. And so that was kind of a really fun side outlet of just getting to go and basically evangelize like public participation. And people just seemed really interesting, interested in wanting to know, you know, how it happens. I have told so many people to join commissions, like over the last seven years, probably, that uh, I would like to think that there's at least a few of them that, that, that went through the, the process and are at least wrong one for a while. But so that was kind of the first wave. And then the, the second, the biggest wave uh, was when my uh, 2018 reelection campaign, which something that I don't think anybody except for people who know me know is that the reason I ended up on uh, in most major news outlets and a lot of tiny outlets as well uh, was actually the result of a land use decision. Hmm. And that was? So Sonoma, if you've ever seen it, it's kind of a, it's a very flat city that's kind of bumped up against the arm of a mountain range. Uh, it's kind of more like a big hill. Uh, but back before my time, the people of Sonoma, I think there was like a resort or something proposed up on this hill. And the, the people got together and said, like, we don't want to be one of those Bay Area cities that just kind of stacks the hill full of uh, houses and development so they passed a hillside ordinance that protected this hill from development uh it's actually these there it's preserved open space now and there's trails so you can just like literally within the city go on a nice nature hike um but there was a one of our wealthiest residents of sonoma uh who had a mansion estate up on this hill uh wanted to build two more mansions next door to his and <laughs> <laughs> of course and uh, and so this, and so his, uh, his philosophy was just that he was just going to like, like ram it down everybody's throats. He had like, a, like PR people and he had this really nasty developer and sort of all these people like kind of geared for this battle, but the people, uh, were not going to let this happen. So then the people rise up on the other side and there's just this like war happening between these sides about the you know, protecting this, uh, you know, somewhat ecologically uh, delicate hillside. And in the end, it was uh, very nasty. I was mayor that year, so a lot of it was directed at me, but the project was denied. Uh, the city was sued. This lawsuit, the lawsuit was thrown out. And uh, the next thing I know, when I'm running for re-election in 2018, I get this email one day that, the gist of it was that I was too immoral to be in office. So if I, I should reconsider my candidacy, otherwise my campaign would be one of full disclosure. And it 
had a link to a hit website they had made about me. I think it was something like whoisrachelhunley.com or something. And it was wow. it was the huh. it was the meanest thing I'd ever seen. It was also like hilariously uh cartoonishly villainous, but it was like really mean. Uh had a bunch of weird stuff on it, and so that is what inspired me to uh I was a millennial. I will speak to the people via YouTube. So I recorded a YouTube video, posted it, uh, and it ended up going viral. And so uh, people all over, all over the country got to read about a, a tiny little city council race in Sonoma, which, uh, by the way, I ended up winning with the most votes in the history of this race. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. See, I, I, I have in my head that story of like this six part Netflix series just called Sonoma. That's yes. about a land use yeah. battle. Yeah, that's calling Netflix. Of, really Netflix. a land use battle that in, in encapsulates a lot of the other just modern cultural things oh. and stuff, right? I, mean, I like that. There's a whole avocado toast angle in there. <laughs> there's the wine stuff. There's the old guard, new guard. Yeah. Hmm. I like that idea. So, Rachel, with the theme of this show in this episode, the whole notion of sticks and stones can really hurt. I'm guessing with, you know, what you just described, you had some moments that at least maybe privately and maybe even publicly, you know, you were getting raked over the coals uh, like unfairly because of a decision that had nothing to do with you know anything that was being put out there to the public but how did you deal with that how did how did you cope i mean it must have been a pretty challenging time for you but somehow you know you you fought back you you said enough is enough for one thing but what else how did how did that time in your life go you know it kind of um it was it sort of peaked at that point but you know i had noticed very early on especially i think community uh, sonoma is a place where people do pay attention and they are very opinionated they care very loudly about what goes on here and so the first time i had kind of uh walked into a uh very controversial issue, as it turns out. I was early on in my uh, city council career, and uh, it was the issue of leaf blowers, which, you know, we, I could talk <laughs> about leaf blowers for an, probably an entire episode. And uh, one so day I want. Excuse yeah. me? Oh, yes. Excuse me, yes. leaf, leaf blower? Is it a sound, situ- sound situation? Oh, it's it's a lot of things. It depends. It's, it's, there's, there's, there's a different reason du jour as to why these things. And, oh, uh, yes. I, I could talk about that one for a while, but I'll keep moving on. But, you know, it actually and it ended up being like so controversial and people got really angry about it. And the, uh, the newspaper ended up uh, writing this editorial about me because I ended up uh, changing my mind about this and people got really mad at me. And the name of the editorial is Of Hearts and Minds and Leaf Blowers. <laughs> and so that was the first time and something that I just learned along the way um, my philosophy for dealing uh, with people who vehemently disagreed with me was in most times, if I could sit across for them over a cup of coffee and just hear them out, talk about the way that I saw things uh, at the end, even if they uh, still disagreed with me, I found that like most people actually 
still respected me afterwards. So that was most people. And to me, either people were in that group or they honestly just didn't matter to me. Like if I, you know, if people are just going to, uh, you know, come and yell at me in a meeting or, or even worse, like, uh, you know, bring, uh, sort of people, uh, we all know so we know <laughs> we know you know it's just well it's, just said the tough. frequent flyers i heard yeah. term last it was stp same 10 people yeah, uh, that, yeah. That, that kind of end up there so i think we're going to go into some rapid fire yes. questions now to wrap up so uh, i'm gonna let chris kick that off well i would be remiss if i see it comes back to seinfeld because really instead of comedians <laughs> in, instead of comedians in cars getting coffee it's adversaries talking politics over coffee That's right it. coffee is the solution to all things i'm a big coffee fan and i would completely agree with that <laughs> so a hundred percent um yeah so let's let's take a little bit of time and get to know you and some fun things a little bit but i i would be have to ask this question i mean my gosh you've gone from Georgia, North Car- North Carolina, and New York, and Sonoma. Your go-to cocktail? Uh, I'm actually a gin and tonic oh, woman. What a good Southern girl! <laughs> I love it. <laughs> yes. So, is uh, Nashville? This is the Nashville hot chicken craze. All it's cracked up to be. Oh, I think it's highly overrated, and I think most people, most places that sell what they describe as Nashville hot chicken, are not actually serving nashville hot chicken <laughs> of course not so if there is that multi-part <laughs> series the millennial mayor of sonoma what actress would play you or actor who's gonna play you oh god see i'm terrible at uh, anything that has to do with pop culture oh. because i just don't know oh just say somebody I, I, you like i guess you know they played this part <laughs> <laughs> it could be jessica rabbit we don't care <laughs> I, I i actually uh the same with the asking me what my favorite movie is. Oh. Uh, I haven't I haven't seen most movies, and I will tell you what my favorite TV show is right now. It's called Forged in Fire, and it's a panel competition show about making knives. Yes. So that's where I am with my media consumption. Well, you know what's funny about that rapid fire question is, as I was writing it, I was thinking, you know what? Probably a better question for Rachel is, what's your favorite book in the of all time? Oh God, uh, you know. Um, North Carolina it, Bar Law, Volume Five. <laughs> uh, well, it's uh, it, it's not a very uh, terribly uh, exciting or salient um, answer, but right now, my favorite writer right now is Catherine May. She wrote a book called Wintering, and uh, I think her the book I'm listening to now is called The Electricity of Every Living Thing. So sounds amazing. Complete, completely unrelated to anything we've discussed, but that's what I've been enjoying. That's what these questions are all about. <laughs> <laughs> I don't see you wearing it. I've only heard wind of it. You still have a nasty woman T-shirt. Uh, well, it's a tank top. Ooh, and yeah. The, these days, um, yes, I've, uh, I've. That's my. That's my famous uh, tank top that was in the Washington first Washington Post article that was written about me. But I only wear it on selective occasions these days because I'm trying to make sure it doesn't get worn out. That's fair. That's- I think I know who would. I, I have an idea on who might be good to play you, and I know you don't know who I'm talking about, but you might. So, and being that you're a fan of Google and YouTube, Natalie Portman. Oh, I think oh, you. Sure. I think you would. She'd be a great, great person. Great, you know, outstanding actor, and you know, resemblance and 
I think I think she'd kick ass. So I'll take it. I got yeah, right. <laughs> <That's> amazing. <laughs> Calling Natalie Portman. Um, what rocks about Sonoma? Oh, Sonoma! It is. It's very. <laughs> I mean, it's beautiful. The weather is just stunning. It's just a very small, tight knit community, which you know bec- starts to mean something very different when you realize you can't go to the grocery store without running to at least seven people that you know which is sort of how it was when i was kind of peak involvement in local politics here but it's uh it's just nice to be somewhere where people care very much uh, and that is why i pay a premium to rent here (laughs) fair no doubt about it well rachel hunley it's been a pleasure to have you in our commission chambers and we thank you for sharing your story um amazing journey um, and the journey's far from over. You're really just getting started. I think your your future is going to be a white hot nova of, of a future. And we look forward to, to seeing what becomes of that. So thank you for your time. And we appreciate everything that you've contributed to today. So with that, this episode is also in the can. Fellow commissioners, can I get a motion to adjourn? So moved. Second. Awesome. Last thing, Rachel being in Sonoma as Niner Country and me being a Rams fan. Go Rams. This has been fun. Have a great rest of your week.